Speaking of a unique New York, um, that's really not that unique for no, New, it's not. New York. It's not unique. <laughs> or politicians <laughs> in general. Oh, weird! An Italian politician has a problem with uh, sexual assault. <laughs> no way! <laughs> it was sexual misconduct, I believe. Is that the? Is that why they didn't have to get the DOJ involved? 11, 11 women inappropriate. Is it eleven? Yeah, eleven. Yeah. That, that must be why they didn't have to get the Justice Department involved. Because it's misconduct, not assault. Mm. Everybody's like, oh my God, are they trying to find a way to sweep this under the rug by like tainting a jury pool? Well, if it's misconduct and not assault, I guess they're not going to take it to trial. It's like sexual assault light. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm also extremely irreverent. I I don't think... yeah, I, I don't think that's inappropriate in this <laughs> case. Um, I have no idea where this is going to go. We're joined by longtime guest of the podcast, Trevor Thompson. Hello. Tier is returning for his second podcast, and Nicole. Nicole something. <laughs> Nicole something. <laughs> as it now we, Yeah, now we're in transition. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Not, well, not that kind of transition. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One that's yeah. a little bit, I don't know. It's a it's a good one. I mean, yeah. So we had oh. an event Saturday. Is this a is this what I think that it is? Let me oh, see. Oh wow! Oh uh, yeah. My, well, it's 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 yeah. a couple blocks away right now. Oh okay. She's getting it resized. Yeah. Congratulations. Which Thank you. If we don't like finish this, it's people are gonna go. What kind of transition are they talking about? <laughs> yes, it's being resized. It's, it's exactly a couple blocks away. It's being resized. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? The, it's exactly the, blue, the transition. The blue think. something. Utah's premier <clears throat> sex. Oh, boutique. the blue boutique. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Just down the street there, yeah. Uh, I used to um, do some work with the owner of that, actually. He's a photographer, so we used to work on some projects together. He's, like resizing? Um, not quite. <laughs> Transition. I mean, if anybody would be into it, he would be into it. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually, uh, yeah, he's an interesting guy. I had a friend who uh, was a piercer there. That's mm. kind of how it got involved. Body- piercer at the sex shop. Interesting. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, they, like... Jesus Christ. He yeah. was pierced, yeah. A hundred percent. And we I I watched some probably not so legal things happen in the back of a sex shop. <laughs> really? Uh, really? I mean, it, it, here's <laughs> where here's where it blew me away because <laughs> I had just finished going to cosmetology school, which requires two thousand hours to learn how to put color on somebody's fucking hair. In or like roll that. it. You know. It's a little bit overkill. But that's how the business works sometimes piercers require a two-hour bloodborne pathogen class yep. and then they can literally cut people open and put silicone shapes in subcutaneous yeah. layers of Zero skin licensing. and i was like i see no problem with this what the <laughs> fuck meanwhile i did not i graduated from aveda i did not mm. get my license when i took the, the test the first time oh yeah because i didn't yell sanitize when my shit hit the floor Oh, no shit? Yeah. You had to yell sanitize? Yes. In Utah? No, this was in North Carolina. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. And eventually I said, fuck this whole thing. Yeah. It's a bit, it's a bit much. (laughs) And pre-hospital medicine is not that much different than everything you just described. This is kind of the state of, this is what I wondered. This is why, I mean, I wrote kind of a little piece that might go out. It might not go out. 
I'm wrangling with a couple different concepts. And one of them is not questioning necessarily the expertise of doctors, but questioning the veracity at which we select for doctors. So Mm -hmm. we are deciding in not so many words that a doctor in most cases is the foremost expert on health, right? But to be, to get that status, they legitimately have to do pretty much unhealthy practices. Like nobody makes it through residence school healthy. Right. Right. And so you're like, we're selecting for people who are wa- who are willing to wager and risk their own health in order to teach and control and promote somebody else's health. Right. This makes no sense. When I was but, a personal trainer, I had a lot of clients that were nurses and yeah. surgeons and the battle to get them to sleep yeah. appropriately <laughs> yep. and to at least sneak in like a snack was that it just it was right there they were taking care of everyone else yep. but had zero ability to take care of themselves yep. she's still fighting that battle but now i'm on i'm her only client <laughs> <laughs> and now i just i'm not a doctor so i don't listen to her no. <laughs> i am um, i i've been a doctor in third world countries nice. and attended medical you for, conferences you your quotations well, I, it's implied yeah it's a <laughs> bunny ear people will watch the youtube video and they'll understand right huh? <laughs> which wait wait where's that <laughs> i'm looking around for a camera i promise there's not one um it's in her eyes <laughs> i was uh this last weekend we were up um at snowbird uh for total archery challenge and a guy came and found me that met me at total archery challenge at snow basin last year and uh he said, um, I revamped my medical kit uh, base because you made fun of me last year. Mm. Can you come take a look at it? Uh, so I went and looked at it and whatnot. But, and, you know, his ingredients in there had changed. It was, it was much, much better than it was before. But what made me think of this is you were talking about doctors being experts. Mm-hmm. I, I distinctly remember telling him that in the civilian community, especially uh, – in uh, emergency medicine, we rely on somebody with MD after their name who does very little pre-hospital care to dictate what should be done pre-hospital at the point of injury. Mm. And I wonder how much that translates across to, to other fields where you've got somebody that is at the top of their field, but really, uh, you know, they get to a point where they're, they're so, they're so good in the overall subject that they don't really know what they're talking about when it comes to the specific the specific mechanics of something. Yeah. Like politicians. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a little bit like I was I was going more for skills, but yeah. Smarts. I'm here for you. Yeah, well there's this like there's this also an idea that I think needs to be acknowledged, which is like <laughs> most structures are trying to um, they have a I don't know, a way about them that's trying to get like, you know, selecting or, or teaching uh, pragmatically any idiot could learn it or, or perform the procedure. Mm-hmm. So that, in essence, is, is a pretty bad deal. But if they don't do that, then any idiot will become the thing. Like, so there, there's this toss up between, you know, regulation obviously has its purpose because you get people um, who get into positions already even through. I don't know, our system that should not be doing what they're doing. So if you don't regulate a little bit, you have that side of it. And if you regulate too much, you don't have an industry. And so like there's this balance between, oh, well, you got to be able to, you know, dream and become a doctor no matter what kind of idiot you are. And then you have to have kind of a school that will put you through that and at least, I don't know, 
negligibly take away the people who would cause harm, I guess, but maybe. I, and that's every, maybe not just medical fit. That's like every industry. It, it is everything. I mean, Trevor and I are both from the soft community, and what I've noticed at every level that I've ever performed at, whether it's DOD or other places, is the 20% rule. Hmm. No matter where you are or how cool it is, there's 20% of the people there that probably shouldn't be there. I 100%. <laughs> uh, see, I think, I, I think I've probably been that tw- part of that 20% before, so sure. I'm, I'm including myself in that. And it just gets to a point where... you got to punch through, right? Yeah. I mean, maybe the 20% for, say, a special mission unit is at a higher caliber than the 20% for the 82nd. But it's still a 20% rule. I I think that's being generous, too. Like, I used to have this... um, I don't know. I would break down entire populations. You can do this for any industry. But I'd basically say you take 100% of whatever subset population you're looking at in a group. It could be trainers. It could be... Special operations, it could just be general military, it could be doctors, whatever. Um, if you just take the entire population, cut it in half, you have 50% are, are going to gravitate towards one side, mm-hmm. right? And the other side. Then you have the end 10%. The top 10% are these like fucking annoying people, right? They're like doing Ironmans and then going and running Fortune 500 companies. They're just like, I don't, you, you just like, they're just so. I don't know, into everything that you get kind of angry that they're that motivated. And then you have the bottom 10% that no matter what help you give them, they're popping a tent on state street and selling stolen bicycles, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> that, it doesn't matter what you do. It's just like you, you could, you could give them all the money, all the support and all the education. They're just determined to be the bottom 10%. Yeah. And then you take that split. So you have the upper 40%, who will gravitate towards whoever they're around. So if they're around the top 10 or top 20, they'll gravitate towards that and be a little bit better than they might be. And then you have the bottom, you know, 40 that will gravitate towards the bottom. And that's kind of how I feel like most industries. (laughs) And I think 10% is actually being really generous. (laughs) I think it's like less than 5% is at the top and probably like 25 to 30% is like not worth very much yeah that, that reminds me of uh when we were in indoc in buds we had one of the the staff Wait, come were, out were you a seal oh yeah huh. and he was on <laughs> so one of the staff was like all right you fucking idiots just so you know 10 percent of you will probably make it through this program as long as you don't quit 10 percent of you will never fucking make it through this program you probably know who you are and 80 percent of you we are going to spend 100 percent of our fucking time on and that just goes back to accurate. what you were saying. Yeah. Like, uh, 80% has a choice. Sure. But 10% of you are just fucked. This is and such 10% a... 10% of you are probably going to be okay as long as you don't quit. This is such a beautiful segue into why we actually wanted to have yeah. this conversation, which well is well done, Trevor. On, the, on the topic of quitting. <laughs> so, um, I posted some stuff. Mm-hmm. And to to be fair, when I was first learning about this story, I was like, writing commentary on it oh, while I was story. reading about it. Yeah. So we're talking about the, yeah. the Simone, the Simone gymnast, whatever you want to call it. Um, the, let's call it the, you know, quit, uh, fail paradox or whatever you want to call it. So I've changed my mind on this quite a bit, arguably for some really good reasons. And also just looking at it differently, but I should be for it. Like I've never had a problem with anybody quitting. 
Like, I usually think that it's great that people quit, honestly, because then they can acknowledge at the point at which they made a decision not to do a thing. My original comment when talking about where, where people were so pissed is I go, look, I think she represented the U.S. perfectly. She has all this opportunity, and then she just turns it in. That that it wasn't a it literally wasn't a criticism of her. It was actually a criticism of like American <laughs> culture. Yeah, and people just like I I mean I can't even explain how I could have said something horrific about I don't know I could have made up anything about. Take any subject that's like could fucking have nuclear. Anything else from the last year? I could have said something about like denying the Holocaust, and I wouldn't have gotten as much response as I did. That was in like mm-hmm. the, the utter disbelief that I would say something like that about an Olympic athlete. And first of all, most of my criticism isn't of her, so that that should be clear. Yeah, she's obviously the best at what she does. And now that I know some like specifics of her sport, a lot of it kind of makes sense. But from the topic of quitting. Um, let's just go through it on like, I mean, we'll start with this example. This example kind of thins out a little bit as yeah. you start to understand the specifics of it. But I think the, the topic of quitting is what I want to get at. Yeah. And I think this highlights it and it gets us into other things. So coming from two guys that had plenty of opportunities to quit, <laughs> I thought it would be a pretty fucking good podcast. Yeah. I well, mean, we were, we were chatting back and forth about this on DMS. Same thing. I'd, was not very well educated on gymnast. I had no idea. What's his name? Nasser? Yeah. Yeah, Larry She's Nasser. Larry Nasser, yeah. I did, and Nicole was a gymnast, so sure. she read me on to a, a lot of this. But Watch the documentary, <clears throat> Athlete A. Athlete A? Mm-hmm. That's, that's what it's, I thought you yeah. said mathlete. Athlete yeah. Athlete yeah. <laughs> yeah. A. So uh, that, that's, a good, that's a good focus of this like first start. Um, is she's a you know, victim of sexual abuse, mm-hmm. right? She was the last gymnast left from that era. So she was older for a gymnast. I don't remember what her age was, 24, I think. Yeah, uh-huh. And she was the last gymnast that was left over from all of that Larry Nasser abuse. Gotcha. Still okay. competing. And you've seen it. I haven't seen the documentary, so I don't Ooh, know the specifics yeah. of it. It's super fucked up. I imagine all of this shit is just people. He's a pedophile. Preying on. Yeah. Like, Period. you know, the, the, the fucking. And this is where it comes from. It's like the hopes and dreams of little girls and those parents that support those hopes and dreams, mm-hmm. ignoring glaring red fucking flags because they have this, in essence, this undying wish for their their child and their child's hopes to become this, like, you know, world hero yeah. on a world stage. So, uh, first of all, you know, I think that sets a different scenario. But do you think, uh, I mean, there's claims into mental health, um, are, are we, are we all kind of like silently in agreement that this is definitely an ingredient into the claims of mental health? Or is that the insinuation that the public is making when they're like, Hey, she claimed mental health abuse victim. Let's treat this a little bit differently. Well, she never really came out and addressed that herself. I don't think, right. I'd, I'd have to read a little bit more, but I don't think that she came out and made a statement about that. So there's probably I mean, most definitely on my part, I'm reading a little bit of that into the situation, mm-hmm. but I, I feel like that's kind of a safe assumption that that weighs in there a little bit. Yeah, I think you're right because she, I never heard that either, but just, I mean, because people made me aware of it, I, I never heard it publicly other than people telling me, oh yeah, she was a Nasser victim or whatever. So I was just assuming it was insinuated publicly that you know, she's an abuse victim. Therefore, this goes deeper than just, you know, oh, she had a bad performance and she's freaking out about it kind of right. deal, which obviously plays into it. 
Um, For anyone that doesn't know who Nasser is, he was their team doctor, not the coach. Oh, not the coach. Okay, yeah, he was their team doctor. Oh, okay. Fucking... (laughs) He was. He so was, it's he like was it, that twenty percent. We're combining all right, of these right. subjects. Not but just like not just the team doctor. He was USA gymnastics. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Yeah. So he was also fucking with and touching hundreds of other minors. Yeah. Right. Not just Team USA. Like not just the Olympic team. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Literally hundreds, up. hundreds of women. So imagine what that also, how that also played into their actual like medical care and treatment on yeah. top of everything else. These elite level athletes that are already prone to these insane yeah. stress fractures and everything else because they're still growing and, the and children. Th- yeah, that's a whole other, it's like just compounded shit. Yeah. Uh, despite whatever that is, you have an individual that. I mean, I don't think it's even arguable that she is the best at the sport that probably ever has been. Like, the use of the term goat, I think, is not, I don't know, not overblown in this context. So we can all agree. Yeah, like, not in the least. Because this is another thing that came up about, like, into the topic of why she might have quit is, uh, and maybe you'll be able to correct this if you know a little bit more about it, but essentially they changed the rules for her. Right. Like her, the, her, what, her skill level is high enough to the order that they didn't believe that other, it wasn't fair for other people to compete against her and include her skill levels as right. point. There was no way for them to give points at the level of skill that she was performing because yeah. no one else was at her level. So it kind of, for lack of words, it dumbed her down. It dumbed her points yeah. down. So this is like, this is where participation trophies yes, are a fucking problem. That this ties in. Because <laughs> you know what? Well. If she's better than you, she's fucking better. Like, sure. In yeah. my head, Olympic wise, mm-hmm. a great example of this is Dan Gable. So mm. he wrestled in the 76, yeah. oh, 76 yeah. Olympics. Good year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He is the only, yeah. he is the only freestyle wrestler. Freestyle? I think it was freestyle wrestler to never give up a point in the Olympics. Now, if you know anything about freestyle wrestling, that's fucking impossible. It's it's like literally next to impossible to do that because you get points for everything. The Russians quit. They literally threw in the towel because he was too tired to continue. This is a man whose entire life was built around beating this guy. And she, right, is the same as Dan. Now, had they said, hey, Dan, go run three miles, then you can compete. That's a similar type of well. Everybody else should right. have the same like, footing as you. Sure. Like, shouldn't they you. have been raising the bar once? Damn once, right. Once they realize, like, oh, yeah. this is the mm. new level of maximum sure, human yeah. performance. Oh well. The, I mean, this happens in almost every sport because, and this is what sport is exploring: is human potential. Now, it's supposed to be, you know, here's where it gets weird: is like we make industry out of it, and then industry dictates what we're actually viewing, and. To, to be fair, like when I was saying, you know, a lot of my arguments, like I do not give a shit about like her doing this to the Olympics or representing U.S. actually has nothing to do with it. Fuck the Olympics. Like that has to be one of the most outdated, archaic, aristocratic money grabbing schemes of all time. It doesn't represent very much of anything about human effort. We're still in the impression that it does. So we we feed people into this. But the fact that they're not allowed to make incomes, they're not allowed to have like sponsorship deals that would represent them on the. You can have some sponsorships as long as the IOC says it's okay. Right. It's fucking so weird. We've actually learned a little bit about this in the last couple of weeks. Like like Red Bull athletes that aren't allowed to have Red Bull on their shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. 
100 percent yeah I, well this is where i say it. like this is just this is a a cool kids club right like this is the next aristocracy the, all these these I don't know, generational wealth people who own the fucking IOC who are dictating what we're viewing. That's a problem. I haven't watched the Olympics in I, you know, probably like I didn't watch them this year years. either. Like I, there's a couple things that I like saw replays of, but I refuse to even participate in the viewership of it. I mean, ever since uh, the no, Olympics cool were here. see a few like historic things. You know, sure. When, like yeah, when yeah. somebody gets more gold medals than anybody ever has, like, the, well, that was cool to see. The four. That's historic. Like, this, or the, just, the, the four, 400 hurdles. The Did you watch that? Two world record. Two Jeez. world records. Jesus two. Christ. Kay. In one race. I, <laughs> yeah. I was talking to, I don't know how many people today about this. So if you guys didn't see this, a Norwegian male just set the world record along with an American mm-hmm. that also broke the old world record in the 400 hurdles in the same race yes wow okay no 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 here's one two and first of all one two and three placings were the third the one two and three fastest times ever recorded in history now he ran the 400 hurdles in 45 and change seconds okay that motherfucker just ran 400 hurdles faster than people used to run the 100 yard dash four times in a row yeah yeah it's insane like that it's fast that's that's fucking insane and if you watch if you watch that's not a a human yeah that (laughs) it's like it's absolutely an absurd and this this is kind of what i wish obviously they captured it and they promoted and and like that is a part of the olympics but that to me isn't the olympics that's that's the the nature and spirit of competition right You're, you're seeing what you can do and that that's what they're trying to pay tribute to all the while while you know, leeching as much money off of mm-hmm. athletes and advertising as possible. So you're going to lose some of it. The thing that freaks me out and that really eventually got to me with the Olympics, especially with gymnastics, is how young some of these athletes start and were in other countries where they're specifically groomed for this mm-hmm. one thing. It's like their entire purpose in life, and then they're retired like a racehorse. Well, that was broken, the Cold War. That was right, the whole Cold War Broken up. at the age of, like, 17. I mean, that's state-sponsored everything yeah. right yeah. like you have you know these con- like sport conglomerates like you know uh, so a meta view of kind of what's going on what what other countries are against when something like china russia or even the old soviet countries were were kind of have these in doc programs um you take like uh chinese weightlifting for example is like a, a pretty well-known one so they're picking kids six seven and eight and they're measuring for very specific limb ratios um for you know, and then fiber types, so explosivity yeah. and stuff like that. And then they're basically putting them in a direct program where they will then cull 90% of the ones that they pick and pick the top 10% that can handle, you know, not just the training, but also allegedly the state sponsored doping program that goes in with it. Because, you know, like, there, it's not, I don't think it's, especially after that fucking documentary came out, I don't think it's like, a secret that they're state-sponsored doping programs. Well, sometimes it's not even doping. I don't know if you right. remember, was it 2004? They had a 12-year-old boy on mm-hmm. the women's diving team. Oh, yeah. Tuck and roll. <laughs> We're going to get away with I'm still blown away that I didn't know that you could test for type 1 and type 2 in like intermittent muscle fibers. Oh, yeah. Had, um, is that I like mean, a biopsy? Not only nope. t- type 1, type 2, A, and B. Right. So they can pick out, um, you can do muscle biopsy, but I, I mean, most of that can just be by functional tests. Damn. Like you, um, one of the tests actually um, is how it holds lactate. 
So mm-hmm. some of the like how you buffer certain things it, physiologically will we'll kind of assess that out. But yeah, muscle biopsy will kind of decipher those two different muscle types pretty easily. And then you have like, okay, here's a kid, right? You know, the right ratios, the right coordination patterns. He responds well to training kind of deal. And then for, you know, four or five years, he just has a PVC pipe and he's going through the motions day in and day out because communism. Right. I mean, because that, <laughs> because if the Do state... you want to eat? Yeah, I said, uh, you know, whatever. And we make jokes about it. Like, there's always been jokes like, oh, shit, China lost. I guess their family's dead. But that's... That's not hyperbole. That was a real no, thing in Iraq. A, yeah. Right. Under yeah. the Uday and Kusay. Uh-huh. Right. They actually yep. executed people. Yeah. For losing. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so this is kind of what, this is what, here's what drives me crazy about the the idea. Before we get to quitting, the selection process and the participation in these sports is very, very serious depending on what country you come from. So. I mean, they do it in Kenya too. I mean, people think like, oh, genetically, they're just fantastic. Like, that's not how that fucking program works. They grab a bunch of nine-year-olds and they start putting them in five Ks. Oh, then, and then yeah. whoever survives, <laughs> literally, like who, the kid, the child that is yeah. the fastest, they call the rest of them, send them back to wherever the fuck they came from. They don't give a shit, and they're like, cool. Well, now you're state sponsored. But well, this is and this is this is kind of an, another topic. Is yes. like some countries are so poor that their only export is sport. Right. So Kenya's one. What is cheap? And I say this like the guy who tried to steal my mountain bike a couple months ago. Right. Um, (laughs) It's is it morally wrong for him to do that from his perspective? No, he's fucking hungry and he needs dope or what? Like his internal mechanism does not give a shit about an inanimate object. There's no importance there for his brain rewrites you know, moral relativism pretty fucking quickly. And survival it's just like, yeah, oh, bike equals heroin. And that means that I won't have withdrawal. That's survival. And so when you understand the nature at which somebody commits an act, even if it's against you, you can kind of, you can get rid of a lot of frustration. Sport is one of those ones that people do not recognize where people come from. So in Kenya, as a perfect example, if you win one world championship or you set one world record, you have like four to five generations of your family that will eat very well. That like so you're telling me you're not gonna do EPO? Or you're like drugs suddenly mean nothing. Like what are you talking about? Like the integrity of sport? My family gets to eat for generations if I do this one right. thing. Suddenly I don't give a shit. And that's not to say that they all do it. It's just to say that the barrier for entry is now different than from somebody from America who's like, you know what? I want to go, I want to be a marathoner. And instead of being a, you know, I come from an Ivy League school, I'm going to like, or I got a scholarship for my running prowess. And instead of becoming a banker where I could make an insane living and take care of my family, I'm going to run and get sponsorship and take care of my family. These are two totally different things. So we have reward and consequence there, right? Which doesn't seem to be a lot of what we have here Mm. because honestly, in my opinion, having traveled the world and seen Mm -hmm. a lot of fucked up places, a lot of fucked up shit, (laughs) I think we're born into reward. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people that are here that have ever left really realize that. Are you you, you going to drop the the P word? Prosperity? Privilege? (laughs) (laughs) Pistol. I I mean, I I, I don't say that with like any joke at all. I think there is such thing as American privilege. There absolutely is. Right. And I like, and there's levels to it. That was the point. Yeah. 
That exactly. Yes, exactly. That was the fucking yeah. idea. <laughs> I love this whole like you're being xenophobic. Like, get fucked. That's how the human race has got to where we're that where we're at. Yeah, I, I mean, so we're, this is. I mean, <laughs> it, we're getting we're getting a very good picture about all of the things. Why I think this is so controversial. Why so many people were in arms about this. And, and this is where I see where the conversation comes from what i wrote on one of them and i can't remember how i put it but essentially what was really curious as to i don't care what you thought about it because it's not right or wrong to me there was no like right or wrong opinion about somebody quitting how you viewed it was the interesting part Mm -hmm. if you viewed it as oh my god i can't believe she threw that opportunity away um you're probably somebody who has never worked hard enough for opportunity Right. Like, and if you had, and this is where I got two really good conversations that I paid specific attention to in uh, direct messages. Two of them were uh, elite gymnasts. So they had competed at a national level and most of them had medaled at a national level or two of them had both medal. I think bronze and the other one had won a gold medal at national. So two aspects that I was respecting because they knew the details of the sport. One of them disagreed wildly with what I was saying. The other one agreed so much so that it was so bizarre. Interesting. And so what you saw, what, what was funny is the one that disagreed brought up a couple really good points that ended up kind of changing my mind on it. Because I was saying, I was like, it just seems like, first of all, I don't care that somebody quits, right? Like that's not, I quit all the fucking time. <laughs> I quit workouts, I quit jobs, I quit, you know, ideas, all of this stuff. Knowing when to quit, I think is a skill in itself. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. that's not what I'm mad about. What I'm mad, what what I was kind of pointing out the biggest fact was that they were they were pulling on the mental health card as as a uh, a hero thing. Right. And what I have a problem with is that it's one thing to acknowledge that you have a mental health problem. But when I say when when you can't perform because of quote unquote mental health, we're not talking about the same thing as somebody trying their hardest not to blow their head off. Right. Like we can't we can't mix these two terms mental health as in avoiding suicide and mental health as in anxiety for performance correct these are two totally different subjects and they need to be talked about like that what i was mad about is they were they were kind of dropping the mental health card as it were as a way to not get criticism about the decision and i saw that as a way to avoid possible um, marketing problems. Mm-hmm. So if your uh, if your sport is only cared about every four years for about an hour and a half, um, your performance during that hour and a half is basically going to decide the next four years of not just you as an athlete, but but of USA Gymnastics. Because if they have a gold winner, right, then they're applicable. They they make money off of it. They right. want a poster child. And what I saw was not her doing that but the actual marketing the whole like engine behind the marketing of her was stepping in to to try to cover her ass and that's what i felt was disingenuous because if if you show if i show up to something and my knee hurts or it's broken or my ankle it just doesn't or i'm not performing or say i'm out of shape i'm unfit to compete but likewise if i show up and i can't get my head into it I'm unfit to compete. Right. It's not a mental health problem. It's that my psychology is not fit with my physiology or vice versa. Which is a huge part of sport. That is sport. 
showing up fit psychologically and physiologically and to cover that under the angle of you know whether it's sexual abuse or whatever that's fine but i think what you're what what they were getting at was doing a lot of harm to the subject of i have a mental health problem you're saying something different than i am unfit to compete at an elite level right Mm -hmm. that that was my biggest problem yeah, I am. Um, everything I was told about special forces selection prior to going was that it's ninety percent mental and ten percent physical. Mm. Now, okay. if you don't train for that ten percent physical part, you're never going to reach that mental part. Sure. So there's that gate. Mm. But um, two thirds of special forces selection is an individual event, <laughs> whether it's uh, your unknown uh, unknown distance run, mm. which there's a few of, unknown distance ruck, which there's a few of. Or just walking through the woods at night, which you'd be surprised how many dudes in the army are scared to death to do that by themselves. That gets some people. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> I don't, I don't see that as like, uh, what a pussy. I see that as like, man, it's probably fucking terrifying. Well, I mean, I came face to face with a with a bull that was hmm. stomping its way. Granted, I had taken a shortcut out of bounds, so I did that to myself. But, <laughs> but did you get caught? I did not get caught. I did not get caught, nor did I get gored. Nice. And I learned that I can actually see in the dark really well when my life depends on it. Win-win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But the the point is, I mean, there's you're constantly fighting um, a battle be- in your head because your body's telling you to quit, mm. and you've got to overrule mm-hmm. that um, because everything there has been weighed and measured. Oh, yeah. And, and they know... They're not putting you into some unknown um, trial where you've got to figure out whether or not this is going to kill you or not. Someone knows that this is possible. Exactly. Uh, well, and, yeah, the last 50 to 60 years of the yeah, selection. Right. In fact, I actually wrote that. I scrawled that on a bathroom stall when I was taking a two-minute nap once because that's the only place you can really get away with napping is sitting on the can. Nice. Oh, this yeah, explains I, so much. <laughs> <laughs> See, bad See, habits are being illuminated. <laughs> There's a difference there. We can't do that because we have to go with swim buddies. Well, so your fucking swim buddy standing out there, and the staff would be like, "The fuck's going on over there?" See, make, make a pillow, make a pillow, partner. Yeah, why can't he can just watch out for you while you take a two minute nap? I mean, for the two weeks yeah. that I worked at Walmart. That's basically how it worked. <laughs> like, I worked in layaway, and my cousin worked in layaway, and so he'd be like, "You both laid away." Thirty minutes, go close the bins. There's a couch being laid away on this aisle. And <laughs> close the bins, and then when somebody would come and ask, "Hey, where's Michael?" He'd go, "Oh, he's in the back." Hey, Michael, and he would just yell, and then I would know. I'd wake up, and I'm like, "Hey, will you open the bins?" And and that's a swim buddy, yeah. Trevor. That I is what a swim buddy does. I fell asleep in a bin at cosmetology school. A towel yeah. bin. I tucked behind the counter and. Got in and told everyone else to just work there for 30 minutes. Nice. Nicole, not, of us, not all of us are five feet tall and a half. No, no, I'm just saying. Yeah. Like, we don't all fit in luggage. Pay them with, <laughs> pay the underage with, don't do this, but pay the underage with booze and whatever else. <laughs> Michael, I just want to say thank you for your service. <laughs> well, I mean, it was endearing. And I feel like I did, I, I, I earned. a lot at Walmart? Yeah, yeah I earned my free health care. There you <laughs> go. So what I was going to say about that is I, I scrawled, I remember writing on that, that stall that I, I literally wrote, and I actually saw it. Uh, later, somebody else had copied it somewhere else. It, I wrote, "Everything here is humanly possible. You are human," and that yeah. actually—it was a really simple mantra, but it kept me going for yeah. through some of those individual events. I mean, is that it, it, that's the nature of um, the 
quitting, failing kind of thing is when you lose the dialogue with yourself, right? There's this negotiation that goes on. And this is kind of the, how I've explained this in, in some pieces, trying to think about it. Are you um, you aware of like um, the, the prisoner uh, problem, right? Like it's a game theory kind of deal where um, the details of it are kind of irrelevant, but you're essentially dealing with uh, you and your buddy get caught, right? And whoever rats each other out means or you both lose or one wins, right? So if I rat you out, I only get a year and you get 10. If you rat me out, vice versa. But if we both stay quiet, we both only get two. And so this dichotomy, if you take that, that prisoner problem and you just apply it to your own mind state. So one, one of myself decided to do X, compete or try this effort. The other one does not want to do it. But if this one quits, the other one loses. So you have to figure out a way that both can win. And the second it goes one way or the other, both lose, mm-hmm. right? Or one loses big and then you ignore the other part. And that's kind of how I viewed every effort is like, I decided to be here and I'm now trying to decide not to be here, which is not the same person who decided to be here. I need to like figure out which conversation in my head, which voice was the original voice and then tune into that original voice about the importance of seeing something through to the end. And training to me is just clarifying what that voice is doesn't matter what you do. There's no other trick to it other than just trying to listen to go, oh, that voice is like, my knee hurts. Oh, that's that motherfucker that wants to stop. Oh, this is the problem or I'm scared or this is the danger or maybe I'm putting myself in a bad position. Um, that's where I think this becomes a relevant conversation is because um, a lot of this was, uh, a lot of Simone's um, issue w- was regarded as the twisties or the yips or something right. like this um, physiological problem of tracking yourself in the air, which again is a psychological dilemma with a physiological output. So again, it's it's a fitness problem. But one thing that I really respected was actually her being like, yeah, I can't perform at that level. Now, going back to the two gymnasts I was talking to, one of them saw it as the ultimate respect paid to your competitors. And I thought that was really noble. Like, hey, I'm not my best right now. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna compete unless I'm at my best to give you the best possible competitor. And the other one saw that as a disrespect as a competitor. To be, hey, you show up and you compete so you can compete to the people who came to compete against you. Mm-hmm. And I like that's really interesting i think both are correct in some regard right completely and that's where this thing started to really shift for me was like man there's just a different perspective and there really is no right or wrong um it it is missing a little bit of foundation though mm -hmm. because they kind of both those arguments kind of assume that we just kind of launched her over to tokyo and said do your best sure yeah yeah, and there's all the trials that go up to that Mm -hmm. you know and that's kind of what we were what i was telling you about and when we had that dm conversation Mm -hmm. is you know, she dropped out. She's the best. She dropped out. But now there's somebody sitting stateside watching this on TV going, motherfucker, I could have been there. And I think if it was, I think if it was that it would be accurate. But the fact is that she did drop out and they have an alternate Mm. and that girl ended up winning gold. Oh, great. So, and this is where it slides back to the other side of it. And you go, she actually gave somebody else the opportunity to do something that she didn't feel like she could do. Kind of. Isn't that, there's another alternate Mm -hmm. girl. Cause there's like a dozen or 15 girls. There's another, another one. Oh, right. That didn't get to go to the fucking somewhere at the bottom. That is never going to be, 
at the 2020 Olympics. Unpopular opinion, she wasn't going to get to compete anyways. She could have. Because if the other one may maybe like gotten broken, Still. well, because you have let's say like say there's two girls allowed, right? Mm-hmm. And then let's say there's four alternates or whatever there is. Um, at some point, yeah, there. I mean, there's a there's a it's turtles all the way down kind of problem there with it's like yeah, eventually somebody didn't even get to be the alternate, but that's kind of I don't, I don't that's not necessarily an an important topic because if you're saying representing the U.S., what we're talking about is like winning on behalf of the country that you're performing for and if you're saying i can't win i need somebody else to step in the alternate comes in and does your job no i'm saying i agree with what Mm. what you were saying like there's somebody there was a woman sitting in the u.s Mm -hmm. that literally was like oh that's cool i guess i could have been in tokyo right now yeah, but they would have just been an alternate. What I'm saying so is what? The alternate yeah. won, So though. fucking what? But the there alternate are, won. There are people that go to the Olympics on a bunch of these teams that are alternates or they're on the soccer team and they, they sit the whole fucking game. Sure, yeah. They don't give a shit. Oh, this they, is, they're fucking at the damn Olympics. On the Olympics. point of people saying that it's safety, I call it bullshit. It is bullshit. Right, because there's, there's a very well-known study that went by actually looking at like who was kind of suspect for... Um, doping or something like that and what they found is like taking a poll most olympians and i can't remember the specifics but to a high percentage most would give up 10 years of their actual life just to be at the olympics exactly and most would give up even more time of their life to win an actual medal so when you talk about safety and people are saying that they would actually assume a, a a sooner mortality in order to just have this experience um, breaking an ankle doesn't become a fucking deal anymore. Like there's, I'm sorry, but that, that's, that is the sport. That, I think, you know, I think that was proved with Carrie Scruggs. Is mm-hmm. that her name? Scru- Carrie oh, Scruggs? the broken. Yeah. 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 Mary Lou Retton. Didn't she also do that? A couple perfect 10 landings. There's, there's and, been a bunch of athletes uh, yeah, that yeah. have competed on broken yeah. name the things. And I'm not yeah. saying that's the way it should be. That was highly inspirational. Why uh, is it inspirational? Right. Because, Why is yeah. sacrificing your and again, I'm not arguing with sure. anyone here because I see all sides here. of this. But why is sacrificing every bit of your health, your physical, mental, emotional health? Why is that heroic? Here's I'm why. Not saying Here's it's why. Because those people would give up a decade of their life to be there. They've you know been pulled and they've said it. And I feel exactly the same way. And I'm seeing it. I've seen and looked at a whole bunch of ultra running. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, social media accounts and whatever and there's there's like this it's cool to dnf because of you're looking out for yourself all right wh- this is a fucking slippery slope because we're getting to the point where like they're encouraging yeah. people to just like at the first sign of discomfort which i'm not saying that's what it is i'm sure. making a hyperbole it's okay just back off you know what it's actually fucking cool to see somebody thrash themselves to death and finish yeah, no. I, well, I, I get that I agree, too. Yeah, That's yeah. super fucking inspiring. But it doesn't and have I'm, to be inspiring. I, I think it's neat as a. For me, that's I'm looking at that person as a person, doing this really cool thing. It doesn't inspire me. Like I inspire myself to do shit. And if it takes an outside thing for you to look at and be like, "Man, that's so really neat," and I'm going to go do a thing, you already have an issue. So, so uh, if you, Nicole, if you not see, what I meant by it, <laughs> I know I'm just, I went off the handle a little bit. No, Trevor sorry. went Navy SEAL on me. So, <laughs> so I have if, a problem with my no, mouth. I think I think you're Goes repeating the question that I think is interesting, and I'm not saying that uh, what I 
I think you're you're hitting on the exact weird spot that I'm kind of captivated by is there is something there when I witness somebody not quit when I go ooh that's something really useful like right. I wish I had that quality all the time that is the inspiration that, that, that I'm talking that's about. the inspiration the quality yeah. the thing the thing in a person that is so determined that they will do self-harm in order to complete something that right. they said that they would do that what and that comes back to our commitment is currency right counting on somebody is valuable. And if somebody goes, no, I'm going to do this. And you're like, look, it's really hard. It takes a long time. It might even hurt you. And they're like, I said that I would do it. That what you're identifying as a characteristic in a person that's building trust within a community or whatever. Right. And that is the value. And when you see somebody go, oh, I can't. I, that's the normal example. Somebody's like, I quit. And you're like, yeah, of course you do. You're a fucking human. Right. And you go, yeah, that it's fine. You're not a bad human because of that. You just haven't learned how to do good human shit. Right. You got on the it's, extra mile. It's when we're, we push ourselves beyond what we believe our limits are. We raise our own threshold. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I believe 100%. that develops character. Yes. Yeah. That, that is the only time I've ever gotten anywhere in life is where I've pushed myself past where I believe was possible. Mm -hmm. I absolutely believe in that. I do believe there's a limit to that. I mean, it's, sure. yes. it's the, it's the difference between it's, it's recognizing when you're at a, a mental wall and, uh, and a physical wall versus a legitimate physical threshold. Like your vehicle can't do this anymore. Like you, you see me hobble around. I mean, I've, I've also seen us break down a few times with the ambulance. <laughs> push it a few times. It's not the vehicle I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's a metaphor. A yeah. I mean, the ambulance is the metaphor. Right. Yeah. I'm I sure mean, it is the coolest the system. The first thing that I did when I fell <laughs> off my egg, it overheats. <laughs> yeah, right. the, the first thing I did when I shattered my elbow in a time trial was try to get back on my bike mm -hmm. after like holding my elbow and I got back at, and my fucking elbow shifted and the bone poked through the skin and I'm like, oh shit, how am I going to finish this thing? Like acknowledging, and that first of all, is a deep seated um, <laughs> I, I guess bad idea. Right. It's a fucking terrible idea. This is a stupid, pointless race. It's on a Thursday in an afternoon with like 30 people that just like racing bikes and this is when it happened to me. But my mindset, I had trained it to put up with like right. such a tolerance of pain and 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 I fostered over 10 years of trying trying not to quit because I had quit races before. And, you know, maybe not psychologically the best thing to do, but punished myself into a way where I conditioned myself to not quit, even if fucking bones are poking right. out of my skin. Mm -hmm. I think that I don't regret doing that to myself. You shouldn't. I think it's, that it's like. If I know I can only lift X amount of weight, mm -hmm. right? That gives you a threshold of understanding. Mm -hmm. So now you're like, cool, my capacity lives there. Mm -hmm. And if we're just talking about physicality stuff, like physical stuff, that's an awesome thing to do. Like how many people have you ever seen actually give a hundred percent of what they can physically fucking do? Like on an assault bike, like, in, yeah. in, like a one yeah. minute effort on an assault like, I How can many tell people you, I have, have never like given 100% for <laughs> no, no, no. ever. I've specifically it, it was that just, part it, It's just yeah. a, that's a single marker for me. It's like sure. easy. Like, or you tell somebody to, to actually run a mile, like hard, mm -hmm. like for real, like actually, All PR, in. Like, yeah. I want to fucking see you burn it to the ground. 99.999999% yeah. of people that have ever run 
have never done that. It's good to understand who's, that uh, kind of Who's the Finnish reality. guy? Z- Zapacek, Today We Die. Yeah, that, I mean, there right. there's this fundamental understanding among elite athletes. It's good to hurt yourself sometimes, uh, well, a little or, bit, or to put it to on the line. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying permanent physical harm, right? Well, sure. yeah, and but, but that's it, where it over comes time down. it yeah, can but who actually that? does it? Yeah. So name the people. I think there's a lot. Point of, them out. Uh, so I, here's where do the people? A lot of you and a lot of us, and I'm saying seals yeah, and green well, braves. Well, we come from a tiny, tiny community. That do this. 340 million people, and there's how many of us? Twelve thousand. Yeah, maybe. Okay, so. We're a statistical okay, anomaly. But that's at an elite level. Right? So it's fine. We yeah. assign this as a value, but when when does the curve turn? Like when does it go the other way? When when somebody just won't quit to the point of self harm. I'm like I but look why at, should we not I mean, to, should not I dissuade to, them from not that? Not to judge it because winning? it's still yes. admirable, but yeah. I, 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 and this what is the they want to do it? Talking. Well, be, yes. Well, because here's <laughs> when I they s- want to do it. Because here, I, when I see like somebody like David Goggins giving advice on how to train for something. Yeah. No, go, no, 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 no. I'm You're glad about the one that brought it Wait, up. But here, <laughs> but here's, okay. Look right here's there. I wrote Goggins. Here's the difference. Talk about that. Back to train up. Yeah. Here's the difference. I don't care. Okay. If you want to go out and do a ruck march until mm-hmm. your fucking knees don't work for the rest of your life, fine. If you want to go out and do a ruck march until your knees don't work and you tell other people it's a good idea, fuck you. Okay. That's what Goggins is doing. That, Fair. Fuck okay. him. Okay. Yeah, and then maybe that's the difference. That's my problem. Because I do respect In, what he stuff, does. Cool. Right? Like, Outward, fuck you. He he definitely has something to him and, and maybe it's marketing and maybe it's something else. But there there is marketing. something... That's there. That's admirable. There, there's that quality of not quitting. And I, I like, I, but when people are like, "Oh, I got to do it. Shut the hell up, that inner bitch." What are what are these fucking? These are not real mantras. These are not testament to self knowledge, which is what I think Samin showed was an inherent expertise in knowing like what she was capable of. That is different from the person who's like. I just got put into the hospital, but I got to finish this arbitrary race. So after I get out of the hospital, I'm going to go finish it to show how tough I am. Right. There's you a miss, level of ego that gets involved. You ego. miscalculated. Yes. Like you didn't, you didn't approach it correctly. You were not fit to do the thing that you said you were. And that I think is the difference. And that's the gray area. What, what this subject kind of brings up. That's why I was kind of so enthralled with it. And anybody who misses it and thinks, I think one thing, or they assume I'm in a position, I think misses it completely. Well, people are, people are routinely, especially now unable to compartmentalize and understand nuance in each piece of information. Right? So I can be frustrated or look at what she did and say, man, that really sucks for that woman that was sitting on the couch at home in the U.S. Do you know her name? No, don't care. So I, don't, just, I, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't remember her name when I saw her on I, the thing. I was I, like, oh, okay. But I, I don't give a shit about the Olympics. But I think this would change it, right? Like if there was a specific person, and this is, this is how we build so many monsters. This is, this is how media works so well. Because if there's a political viewpoint, they're like, there's a... You know, there's a Joe such and such in this town that's being affected by such and such policy. And that's our example to not act according with like complete um, 
I don't even know what the fucking word for it other than like all our data says that we should do this. And then you show one example of an unknown person who's hypothetical, who doesn't actually exist. And that's the reason we wear masks. And you're like, what the fuck? And here's the thing too, is that I think that this mm -hmm. is healthy. What I think is unhealthy is immediately seeing the announcement and then millions sure. <laughs> of people jumping on the bandwagon going, you're so brave without having, sure. <laughs> without knowing any of those nuances or even like beginning to try to understand Hashtag what's going self-care. on Hashtag self-care. Well, and like, well, okay, what I was saying with the compartmentalized <laughs> is like, I can get aggravated about that mm-hmm. um, while also looking at her and saying, wow, that's a really incredibly smart thing you did that was probably good for your long-term um, health as well as your mental well-being in yeah. the days to come and then physically like wow that's a really good decision because you already had shit going on physically so you know this is probably going to be things that don't have repercussions years down the road Same, but i can is, be just as aggravated right, still right i can still be fucking sure aggravated. well that's because you're an intelligent person and that we're seeing multiple sides of an issue which is something that is lacking yeah in most cases, yeah, being it's able to look at too. each of those different yeah. sides of an argument and being able to go, I'm equally angry, but I also, man, I understand. Well, you're just talking about intelligent discourse now. We're talking about <laughs> <laughs> And that's something that people quit a long fucking time yeah, ago. Yeah, they did. So yep. <laughs> this, this is kind of why I, I think, it, I mean, uh, this is the interest that I have whenever I, whenever I like engage in any problem, it's, it's not for the other people although i like when other people interact because it it tunes what i'm thinking right it, it drives either up or down what i'm thinking and i think admittedly that's always changing and if it if it stops if the dial ever stops on an opinion or a hard fact or anything any like any objective measure just has a like a stop dial on it you you, you kind of quit processing correctly and, and then I find that's attached to people can't figure out other problems correctly. And so, like, I would rather risk being completely asinine and wrong about a certain topic and sucking it up and being like, cool, I, I looked at that incorrectly. I mean, another because this leads to other things. And if, if you can do it enough that you can get really good at dialing that dial up and down, um, that's that latitude that you give yourself is actually like it's more variance but it's like it's you're expanding your ability to understand things yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely isn't that where like empathy and understanding Mm -hmm. and uh you know the the opposite of the polarity that we're often seeing nowadays it's finding a a place to be able to be to flex back Mm -hmm. and forth and to see someone else's point of view or argument but the balance of empathy is candor and we don't have a lot of that either well, there's a lot of shouting behind a keyboard. Sometimes sure. you don't even have to have an opinion. I think that was probably my, like, yeah. you would have got a mm-hmm. huge laugh out of people <laughs> asking me what my opinion was about her <laughs> quitting. I'm putting yeah. quotations around quitting because she just didn't compete. She was still there, so she didn't really quit. She ended she just, up doing, she just no, she chose not up, to do she, whatever. Anyways, she do a bunch of people were like, yeah. what do you think about this? I'm like, I don't fucking care. Right. She took well, why am I supposed to give a shit? Like, she took oh, a bronze from the US beam or something. She ended up competing anyway, or something really weird. I don't, I don't care. I, yeah, I yeah, didn't exactly. really care. This is where I'm fucked up. Is that the second that people start like having these really hard opinions, yeah. one way or the other? Now I'm like, all right, now, now, now I kind of care about this argument because this is interesting. Why well, do you feel so strongly one way or the other? 
without being like, I don't give a fuck, or I'm able to see kind of the middle ground or both sides. But this is what's more interesting to me. I don't care about the problem either. What I care is its ability to illuminate how I think about hard subjects. Mm -hmm. So if you have something that's like, (laughs) yeah, like something that's so polarized and people are adamant about being wrong or right, Right. and there's, there's this, and there's usually this, this middle ground, right? So you take a problem that's inapplicable or... or uh, well, aren't, isn't that sports fans in it, general? Sure, it's inconsequential, right? Right. But take the same process and then we apply a question. Should you get vaccinated? And you go, fuck, how do I think about complexity? How do I look at something that's so polarized and make a decision for myself or even, you know, possibly persuade other people into doing what I think is the right thing? And I do it in a manner that stays away from polarization. What, regardless right. of what it, way you end up. Because to be honest, I haven't made a fucking decision about it either. Right. And I have lots of friends who have either way. And I see their reaction. And that's not me. Right. Like they aren't me. They're not representing something that uh, their actions don't represent or, or their logic behind their actions don't represent my process. So I'm in unfamiliar territory um, with regards to it. Why can't we let people just make their own fucking decisions and leave everyone alone? That's where I have an issue is that, that whole sure. concept of freedom. Like, why can't we let you do what you want to do and you do what you want to do? And then we just back the fuck off. I mean, in this specific thing, and I don't think the claim is right necessarily, but the claim is, is that you're affecting other people right. negatively, which is what I would say about fat people. But <laughs> I, what? <laughs> not, to, not to be polarizing, but in essence, viral load carries more in the obese than it does in lean individuals. So if you're going to create some kind of lifestyle passport, um, maybe they shouldn't be admitted into public gatherings because they carry more risk. It's literally the same thing that epidemiologists are saying about a mass puppy, like a, a mandatory vaccine, right. which I disagree with. Uh, just on the note of, I agree with you on like, I, I believe in personal autonomy, right? And if you if if the if the if you take the vaccine and it helps you stay away from you know let's say it minimizes the the harshest effects and the survival rate goes up well that means the people you disagree with are going to die off so it's a win-win situation <laughs> right, right. right like <laughs> why not just the survival rate goes from 99.9% to 99.95%. Sure. <laughs> but even in those small little numbers there's moral superiority in the action of being correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you could let that play out. And, and yeah, that causes mass death, but you you're screaming at somebody to do something that they don't want to do. Right? You're you're saying that like you're making other people suffer just by being the street preacher on the corner. How many people really give that much of a shit about they really think that they're saving everyone's lives and how many more it's more about being on the right side of the I fence. don't think it's, that there there's so much shouting out there and virtue signaling and and that and there's science mixed in there i don't think the average person really knows what they're supposed to trust well no and and i agree with that but i i also think it's hilarious that um man i'm gonna get hate mail for this that the same people that are wearing the my body, my choice, Plant Parenthood t-shirts are the same ones that are really pushing hard on everyone <laughs> else getting I the I made vaccine. the joke here that it's my body, my choice. <laughs> I, I, I'm, to be fair, I'm almost to the point of getting the vaccine. I'm almost there. 
And I've been, I, I'm for sure one of the vaccine hesitant. And I would blame my vaccine hesitancy on transparency hesitancy from authorities. Like that's most of where my come I'm from. super vaccine hesitant, not from some weird conspiracy mm-hmm. theory sa- standpoint, but from it hasn't been around that long. Sure. So I'm weird yeah. about that. Same. And I'm afraid of having some weird reaction because I've had an allergic reaction yeah. to flu shot before. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, I was sick, had an allergic reaction. So those things are things that I think about with any with putting any new vaccine this or is, compound. This is where into the unseen hyperbole becomes a problem because um, it's ignored in one context, right? So like somebody goes into anaphylactic shock, dies from the vaccine because they had an allergic reaction. And it's just like, oh, well, you know, that's going to happen in some of the population. And then like, <laughs> yeah, you know, 12, 78% so of the bad circumstances are from overweight and obese population. They're like, ah, oh, but it, it, you could be that one person that it affects. Like right. you never know until you get COVID how bad it's going to be. And you're like, hold on, just Keep I already had that. So twice. You've had COVID twice. Yeah. I just, so I'm not, have you really? You're yeah. actually going to be the horse that we draw vaccines from. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, you've had <laughs> it twice? How it yeah. How, how, was it back to back? No. So, okay. The first time was. Was that when you came through here? Yes. Do you remember that? Yeah. You I, had it when you were here. I couldn't. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> I mean, thanks to Cole. When was yeah, that? Was that? That was in February. It was right after SHOT Show. I got super This before sick. it was like the shutdown. Before shutdown anyone yeah, okay. really knew. Nobody would. Yeah. So when she came back from SHOT Show, she was she was sick. Michael, yeah. remember when we all had that terrible cough for two weeks? Oh, yeah. You likely had the Probably. COVID. Yeah. I think we had the I COVID. I gave you antibodies. Yeah. You're all welcome. The Chinese New Year was going on the last time we had SHOT <laughs> so Show. I, no, it was. It was. He literally. knew that there was a problem when he walked into the, the hotel room. I was by myself. He comes in and I'm like laid out sweating in the bed and he's like what's wrong this never happens i had no covers on i'm like in my underwear and he was like you are deathly ill right now because i'm always freezing but i had a fever that lasted for literally weeks um i wound up being on two um what is that two prednisone inhalers and then i was on a long dose of prednisone then i wound up having to take antibiotics and then you know stuff to try and calm that cough but I couldn't then albuterol you're supposed to use yeah. like two puffs every six hours yeah. I was using it just to speak because yeah. I couldn't get words out and yeah. I was pissing myself because I was coughing anytime I tried to to get words it was horrendous I felt like I was drowning in my own like it was gargling in my chest have you did you get x-rays of your chest no doctors would not that, see me. that was the interesting thing is we came back I told her she needed to go to yeah. the doctor they did telemedicine which is I, which makes me feel like they were told something early on like don't let anyone complaining of these symptoms yeah. come into this the was office very, i mean like we were only getting this news via memes back then yeah covid was oh, right, in yeah. the news corona was, was a, a yeah coronavirus was a meme then. she had this appointment and um you know they just kind of said take two of these and call me in the morning that that type of medicine. I said, did you mention to them that you were just around the entire population of China in Las Vegas? And and she goes, no. Do you think that's relevant? I'm like, yes, that's 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 highly relevant. So well, she called them back. Apparently, and, it's not. It's racist, yeah. Well, they just kind of said, eh, you know, yeah. whatever. So racist. The I second, mean, so like that lasted at least super sick. That was a minute. That was at least a minimum of like two months of that coughing and inhalers yeah. and the whole nine. But when I did get it a second time. Um, I, I knew something was off. I thought I had a sinus infection. I went to a, a memorial in place of him out on the East Coast. Mm. Because I was... It, in D.C.? Yeah, for, I, because the side oh, effect yeah. of me getting vaccinated 
was getting put on a big gray airplane and being sent to the nation's capital. <laughs> yeah, it's been a weird year. So I thought I had a I thought I had a sinus infection from like traveling and turning the heat on, but it was a weird it was like a burning sensation in my right in my sinuses. I yeah. could breathe fine, but I was like, oh, I think something's off. So I did what any normal person would do, and I went and had tacos and mezcal and got tattooed, and then and then your immune system took, goes Boom. took some uh you know it took some cold medicine or allergy yeah. medicine was like oh, i'll be fine and then wound up getting tested back when i got back to washington yeah. there was and somebody in the facebook group popped hot yeah so i called her and said uh, hey you may want to go get tested so the Jeez. second time wasn't that bad i was tired i had some odd symptoms and i had lower leg pain oh interesting um, it was it felt as though i had run like a 20 mile like through mud kind of pain? yeah but not like flu it was waking me up in the morning it was like the knees down and it had literally felt like i'd run a 20 mile trail race and then just got in a bed like fuck it i'm not doing anything to recover but once i uh i did a lot more trace elements mm-hmm. uh trace minerals i did a lot more um potassium i was drinking a fuck ton more water that that symptom in a couple of days went away but that was where i was like this this is fucking weird because it wasn't like flu it was a different kind of i'm pretty tough but it was a different kind of pain that was waking me up at like four o'clock in the morning for like four days in a row i mean there's there's stuff like that i i think the i mean i to be honest i think mandates are coming right and mostly i see what, this coming again mostly what i'm dealing with in my psychology is like look if i if i can get myself to the point where a i don't think the vaccine is as harmful as potentially getting the side effect from actually COVID, right then i have acknowledged that this is my choice even though i'm kind of mm-hmm. pushed into it it the what i think what i deem the hard thing for me is if they mandate it immediately and i'm forced to go in there right. against my will or, or or to get this thing I won't deal with it psychologically. They'll put that thing in right. me and I will feel everything oh, from yeah. it. I'll, I'll manifest a lot of right. side but effects. But it's just crazy. It's like, do you like lemons or limes? Pick one. Like, well, I don't like citrus. Fuck you, pick one. Right. Like, that's where we're at right now. Well, yeah, well but that's and really I am at the point where you're at where I'm like trying no, to to like be like, can can I come to a point where I'm okay with this? Because now it's affecting mm. our job. Sure, we're yeah. going Travel to and, New York yeah. in September and New York has now just mandated that you hey, have to have a vaccine. None card. of that exercise or the stuff that actually has been shown to reduce right. symptoms. None and of that matters. None of that. Show, unless me, you have the show me that card. <laughs> and apparently the vaccine doesn't matter either. Right. Because people that are that have had the vaccine are popping hot with the new quote unquote Delta, Delta. variant. There's a whole bunch yeah. of like cruise ships and what there's a uh, a uk vessel where every single crew member was vaccinated and, yeah and yet there's like a whole bunch of cases right on board. so why am i gonna like, put my body fuck? through that anyways sure. if i'm just gonna pop hot again i mean this is the because you know, pfizer's making gazillions of dollars right i mean it could be <laughs> I, and this is like this is to to acknowledge that there's not That's a money why. component because they're already talking about booster shots you're like <clears> to it just there, it puts a bad taste in everybody's mouth. And I would say that it's a lack of transparency through and through with everything that has been discussed about the the pandemic in general. It's mm-hmm. become, everything becomes polarized. And that's what I think is the weirdest concept is that people aren't making decisions based off of, uh, well, I'll admit this. No one's making decisions based off of facts anymore. Because if they were, nobody would be obese. Right. Right. Like everybody would have taken a year to lose fucking half of their body weight. You had a year at home. A year. And and like, yeah, there's, oh, I couldn't go to the gym. 
Guess what? Quit Amazon delivers. Or yeah, or how about stop fucking? You can lose weight by not doing anything. Look, if facts mattered, nobody would wear a mask. Sure. True. <laughs> and that's that's the other funny thing with the whole vaccine Fuck thing off. is that <laughs> I know people in the medical profession that are they definitely they got the vaccine right away. But I know ones that are like, "Fuck no, I will mm-hmm. never fucking put that shit in my body." And yeah. those ones maybe go, "Fuck." <laughs> okay, maybe maybe there's something to my weird train well, thought here. Here's here's what. Here's where like the biggest shift came in. It's like I've been reading statistics on it and trying to understand like what the side effects are going to be so that I can kind of deal with them. Um, so I I would say that I'm more read up on what it is than the average person. Right. And thinking like I can even see that it's fairly safe and the, the history of vaccines, even though they're not mRNA or whatever. Uh, after two months, most of the side effects are negligible. Like, you don't see, other than that anthrax one that they gave fucking military guys, Ooh. that yeah. fucked you guys up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those. Other yeah. than that, there hasn't been, there, there's been very few, like, super negative side effects. There, in the population, say, you could Except even say. Except for getting sent to ZC. You know. Sure. You could say the 15,000 deaths are because of the vaccine. You can't really say that because you don't know. Right. Whatever. Out of, out of 190 million shots that that's infinitesimal statistically so i can get behind that none of that shit mattered i still didn't want it until i went to walmart (laughs) i went to walmart and i saw a bunch of people that were like you know my body my choice uh, when it comes to the vaccine kind of deal you know three and four hundred pound people that were you know they might as well have a shirt that says fuck the china virus i'm not wearing a mask (laughs) And I was like, ah, shit. Like, I do not want to be associated with that person. And that, you know. That's why I put a mask on at REI yesterday. I walked in and they're starting (laughs) to mandate it again in a lot of these places. So I I start walking in. They had to sign the door. And I I just wasn't. I was going to graze right past it and not take a mask. Sure. But then I hear this guy really loudly, like, saying, and he should have been, you know, wearing. I won't even go there. (laughs) However... I heard this guy loudly professing to everyone else that he, I haven't been vaccinated oh, and I'm not wearing a mask. And I just quietly grabbed a paper mask and I was like, I'm just going to. You, know, you didn't want to be associated with the Tiger King. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Th- this is it. Though. Yeah. But isn't this how we make most our decisions? Like the reason I wouldn't get it immediately, because I for sure didn't want to be associated with these like Bernie loving motherfuckers that were like jumping over each other to get the fucking and government to buy the T-shirt immediately. Yeah, yeah, like that that kind of shit. I was like, Fuck, I'm helping. No, but there's this <laughs> other component to it that's like, if I can't associate with like the decisions being made, I, I can't do it. And so there, there's this very real. What I decided is that if they really wanted to sell people they would quit talking about statistics and they would just start doing word association (laughs) with these things like they would just meme it out like that's the way to do it well we to be fair we are tribal by nature so some of that makes perfect sense and making decisions based off of the people that we are want to be alike and associated Mm -hmm. it makes sense go to the grocery store (laughs) and just Look at the people that you think are physically capable or seem kind of that I, I can't use your best judgment and discern who you think, man, that, that person looks like they have their shit together. It's a totally superficial thing. <clears throat> but look in their baskets. See it what kind of food they reason. have. You'll start to see large correlations between what people are buying and feeding themselves with and also capability and health. 
You know what's funny about that? Just the whole growing, mm-hmm. going to the grocery store thing and associating <laughs> with a certain tribe. That when we're at home, and I'm pointing at Nicole here, when we're at home in what I call behind enemy lines in Seattle, <laughs> I am most uncomfortable in public places such as grocery stores because I feel like I am constantly being judged. I'm... Um, and you don't buy organic, bro. Dude. Well, it's not. It's not that. It's that. <laughs> That's why I own it, Tier. I just I go into these stores wearing You're run, the- split up the side running shorts, a fanny pack, and a tank top, and I'm like, <laughs> "What's up?" I like, feel I just like throw you, it you're, right on the table. You might be able to get away with that. Yeah, a little yeah. More. I think that that up like there, I that's feel like I more have flexible. To, no, man. I, I, I don't know. Tier is the patriarchy. You physically represent the patriarchy. No. I'm I know you're talking about. 30 pound, not fat, white male. You know, I'm I'm above average size for for the area. I I I actually be even though I work for Black Rifle Coffee, sometimes I feel uncomfortable wearing like a Black Rifle Coffee T-shirt. <laughs> if you're in uniform, uh, it's even there. worse. Oh, oh man, dude. yeah. Isn't well, I used to teach at University of Washington though. in uniform. You want to talk about feeling weird? Oh man, yeah. I bartended at a a bar. At, I won't say exactly where. But this happened, I think, in a couple of occasions in Seattle. <laughs> and I immediately people assumed, because my significant other is military, mm-hmm. that I have these like far right, far conservative, super Republican viewpoints. I'm like, you've got to be fucking Remember kidding that me. Time we walked We've into never a bar? had a discussion about any of this. <laughs> we walked into a neighborhood bar and there was that guy legitimately from Ethiopia. Yeah. This is just a little dive bar in, oh, this was in wild. North Seattle. This didn't go as planned. No, and I had a net gator on because you had to have a, this. You had to have a mask on to get in there. I had a red, white, and blue net gator. It wasn't trying to make a statement. That's just what I had. Yeah. Uh, and this guy was staring at us. We we're just sitting in the corner. You're like, oh, just fuck just, here I'm comes. Like, he's just staring at us, and he gets up and he comes over top. Of him. I'm like, oh no, here it comes. We're about to get harangued for, for red, whatever. And yeah. yeah, I'm like, I don't know what's happening, but I just feel it. And he comes over and he just. He just wanted to thank us. He assumed our political identity because I had a flag somewhere on me. And he, he was like, he, was, he just went off for a good 20 minutes on how he used to believe a certain way and now he believes this way. And he just wants to thank us for believing how we did. Dude, we didn't say anything how we believed bon- at all. all. Here's, here's what's bonkers, man. This guy still has Look, no clue what we it, actually believe. Yeah, right. This is what's fucking bananas to me. Like, I traveled a lot last year, mm-hmm. a lot. Compared to most people that are in the country. Yeah, same, same. Just because I did. I think I traveled with you occasionally. Yeah, we did. Um, And here's the thing. First generation immigrants are, by and large... They're the the finest Americans. They are fucking so goddamn thankful for being here. And 100%. The ones who look at you with disdain and anger are always like, sixth generation, white, upper middle class. I don't give a fuck what you think. I got my degree and I got what I want. P word we were talking about earlier. Go sit and have (laughs) a conversation like our um, our Uber. We had an Uber driver in Nashville who was uh, from Afghanistan and he was- I love talking to those people. Oh my God. They're my favorite. We were both in tears. Afghanis, Iraqis, Iranians. We were both in tears when we got out of the car. I was so just moved by by his story and by how grateful he was. He didn't yeah. want to, to say here. where he was from. In fact, when it, we got a message on the app that said, your driver may, may be hard of hearing. He wasn't. He just didn't want to talk yeah. because he had an accent and oh, he was right. in Tennessee and had yeah, yeah. he had some issues with people yelling at him for being... With rednecks. Be, right. Being a terrorist. Right. Yeah. And uh, But I recognized 
his accent. Oh yeah, you I, know, from my travels. I've yeah. done it many times. I'm yeah. like, hey man, where are you from? Yeah, and, and he's like, like oh, uh, he's he actually like, no, said, no, it's okay. Uh, yeah. Let me know. I am, uh, you I've know, been there. I've been here for a while, and I am it's from Tennessee. Yeah. I was like, yeah, cool. Yeah. How many kids do you have? Where were you at before that? <laughs> is that uh, that accent from Knoxville? Is that a- <laughs> yeah, seriously? <laughs> so this guy had actually served as an interpreter with uh, oh, yeah, the Marine Corps yeah. and with special forces, and we talked. You know, we, it's we general ignorance, and I'm going to out myself here. And on this is this doesn't make me look good at all. But I lived in New York when. The towers were hit. Mm-hmm. I was very close to that. And man, for a very short period after that, I was a young kid, newly 21, but I was super fucking ignorant. I was an art student mm. at, in the music industry, club kid that knew nothing of world matters or politics. And I didn't care at the time. I was forced to care later on. But let me tell you that for a year afterwards living in the city that any person with a darker skin complexion that had an, a Middle Eastern accent, I immediately made assumptions over and that's super fucked up. It's not what I believe now. Now I, I you know, I've had these amazing interactions with people. Mm-hmm. I'm like, holy fuck, they're better American than I am. But I'm kind of, you know, going in defense of it's just ignorance. It's, sure. Mm-hmm. But when you do, but we all are. Like, if you take the amount of knowledge that there ever could be, like, what fraction could you, I mean, even beyond your phone, right? Like, I have it all. You take all the points that exist in the universe that are intimate knowledge of how it works and what it is. Well, and circling back, that's why having that ability to ask and question and have a discussion Mm -hmm. and see and flex and change your mind is so fucking important. You mean listen? Listen. Sometimes, Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, argue, debate, like try to... Without um, immediately having hatred for the, and shutting sure. down for the someone that may have a different uh, well, opinion or point here, of view. Than here's probably the best thing that I've read. Um, I can't remember. It might have even been New York Times, God forbid. <laughs> but the, I read something on a psychologist just talking about polarization and trying to understand arguments. And his one point was like, understand that um, anger you know, really is an an overlaying emotion for an underlying mechanism. And that's either fear or anxiety. Absolutely. And so when you recognize when or somebody- sadness, Or sadness, Yeah, it could be. Sadness, there's, there's frustration yeah. is under there too. Frustration is, is where most of my anger comes from. So if I can recognize like, man, why is this making me angry? It usually has to do because I can't control the input or output. And then I get frustrated and then it, anger emanates from a situation so as long as i can understand if i can actually pinpoint the frustration the anger immediately dissipates because i know that there's no control and so i can quit actually and that that's something that we should probably learn to quit is like these being being attached to these ideas that do no fucking help to anybody even if your opinion is right how you share that is actually more important than what the actual opinion is and I think that's something that, you know, that, that this article was like, it helped pinpoint at a high level that, hey, it's not for this or that. But if you meet somebody and they're adamant about something and they get angry because they can't see, understand that a lot of people do not develop good communication skills, right? Like if you're in the military and you deal in the teams, you learn a conflict communication just by way of it's part of your job, how to talk somebody down, how to lift somebody up. How, and we got it through, you know, 
coaching. Kind of. Well, okay. So, but you're exposed to conflict. We have different rules. Sure. <laughs> but you're exposed to this you idea. We want, right? <laughs> like the, this idea, be, you become exposed to. Yeah. I because most of the stuff that I've read about it, you know, about conflict communication, mm-hmm. has come from military guys that learn on the, you know, learn how to communicate. Um, using psychology and modern methods, but in a way to get their point across. Most of the time, they're not trying to persuade. They're just trying to make something like agreeable. But they also are coming from a place where there are actual either fatal or other ramifications on the back end of any decision that a combatant or non-combatant is going to make. And those people know that. Like I've been asked, you know, what's it like? I'm like, you know what? Honestly, I'd rather do that any day of the week than be a fucking cop. Because here's oh, the yeah. thing. Oh, fuck. They have to deal with shit where people are like, I can probably run from you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no, serious. No, like, no, I, I, most I fuckers see. that are thinking that shit. I, I 100% and see your point. I guarantee <laughs> there is now. not a single dude that we have pointed a gun at that is from me to you distance that was like, I'm probably going to run away from this guy. Right. No. Ain't happening. Yeah. No. Yeah, there, there's definitely something different going on. No, there. because the consequences they're thinking about are consequences that touch on our actual genetics. Like mm-hmm. that's actually going deep into our, you know, lizard brain, right? Yeah, sure. Right now, most people don't have anything going on that ha- touches their, <laughs> their, their, their fucking their lizard brain. And that's part of why um, there's so many people seeking drama and seeking polarization sure, because yeah. they want a stressor, right? You know, yes. we're, we're built for yeah. stressors, but we're built for a stressors. Like we're built for outside stressors, not internal stressors. So these internal stressors are giving people anxiety and depression and all this other crap mm-hmm. because we're creating it and then venting it out into the world, hoping that it bounces back in a way that makes us... I don't know, satisfied that we did the thing. Yeah. Which is crazy until you understand the psychology behind it, that really that's just a lizard that's like living in a terrarium and wants something to do. Yeah. 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 We're, we're built to hunt and gather and run from shit. And we're not really given any of that anymore. So if you're not seeking out sport or challenge Mm -hmm. or adversity, you're going to seek it out and stuff. Right. It's like, why? Like people are like, Oh, they they're looking for drama. Like, yeah. Yeah. What else do they do in their life? Do they do anything? No, they're an accountant. Okay, no shit. Right. That's why they're looking for fucking drama. Please sign up for jujitsu. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that leads well, back to that. That fight is the club whole thing reason why about. Fight yeah. Club started. I yeah. just said it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, will you marry me? That's, that's <laughs> Project Mayhem. Yeah, begins here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we uh, I mean, in, philosophically, they call this like eagle mind or monkey mind. Sometimes is where you have no problems, so you create your own in order to satisfy the ego that solves these problems. Yes. And instead, you're creating relationship problems or political problems, and you're trying to solve. Or you're trying to solve cultural problems with political insight, which will never work. Right. Dude, we have this hardware that's like a hundred thousand years old. Oh, and, so we have, mm-hmm. and we have software that's yesterday old. Yeah. Sure. Isn't like, that kind so of what that serial killer fucking disaster. that rented your parents' apartment <laughs> was doing? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. He was trying to create that's drama. The, that's a true a story. Yeah. You, serial killer? Yeah, yeah. I lived with a serial killer. Did you really? Yeah. An actual uh, serial yeah, killer. Yeah, Richard Angelo, the angel of death. Why the fuck are we talking about the Olympics? <laughs> 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 how just we gotta get my like, dad in here it's fucking segue. hilarious I guess you weren't his type <laughs> yeah. do you feel bummed or kind of insulted no no not at all like, so okay there's this. a really cool thing that came out of this okay so this was on yeah, Long you Island yeah you can say this anytime no, 
when my parents were like, fuck this and made the decision, this was the last tenant that we'd ever had. Yeah. My younger sister and I, four years younger than me, got to move upstairs and we got to have an entire apartment to ourselves. And it was wood floors, so we would just roller skate in our bedroom. And I had my own kitchen, it was awesome. The, the Richard Angelo thing, not so awesome, so. And she has mass murder to thank for that. Yeah. So. That is fucking insane. Yeah. So this. How many people did he kill? 11. 10? Okay. I think it was 10 attempted 11 yeah, that they could confirm. And this right. was happening right. while he was living with your Yes. Sister. So what? he was, was He was a nurse. He was a nurse at the hospital that my sister and I were born oh, at, Good Sam in New York, on Long Island, in uh, West Islip. Jeez. I was, I think, around eight. I can't remember. We'd have to like pull up the news article. You could probably find old footage of me r- literally roller skating down the block as the reporters started showing up. So there were all kinds of issues with tenants. My parents had this house that was, uh, God, I can't remember the actual number, but it was North Allegheny Avenue on Long Island, South Shore of Long Island in Lindenhurst, New York. And um, I mean, there was a domestic violence couple. <laughs> then there was some other, like, I could, what was the other one that he was saying the other well, day? Well, you were in that highly Italian neighborhood that wasn't uh, real keen on... The Olympic mel- athlete. Melanin. Uh, P- Pamela so. and her daughter. No, <laughs> yeah. this is true. No she was shit. the best tenant that we ever had, and they were, she, her and her daughter were awesome. In the same house, you had an Olympic athlete and a serial yes. killer rent from yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if she made it to the Olympics or if she was just in the trials, sure, sure, yeah. but she was an elite level athlete. She was a track and field, okay. I believe. But... <laughs> there were all kinds of issues. I think my aunt and uncle lived up there briefly and then they moved out, but we had all these other tenants and there were all these other major issues. The cat. Then we had Pamela. Yeah, the cat thing. My, <laughs> her her oh, dad my, is I can't very t- allergic to cats. Yeah, my dad could tell the story because it was so, um, it, it's so Italian and it's so like passive aggressive. It involves him like cutting circuit breakers and shit. <laughs> it's really hilarious to hear him sell it. We're pretty sure her dad did some stuff for the government. He was telling this story at, at the dinner table the other night, and he said, yeah, and they, they played the stereo too loud, so I just jammed the signal. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, okay, I'm yeah. starting well, to see what you used to do. Got it. He goes, he said huh. something the other day. Oh, okay. yeah, I ate there, or I had that when I was in Saudi. I'm, I said, what? He was like, oh, I was on my way to Abu. Yeah, well, he, he corrects himself. To be more specific, Abu Dhabi. And I was like, uh-huh. And he goes, I was on my way to India. I was like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> he worked for Fairchild at the time, which was got bought out and became Lockheed Martin. Oh, so yeah, meanwhile, yeah, okay, I think yeah. my dad's like this super boring, nerdy computer guy. And he's like going out on these trips and like jamming fucking signals and working for, the biggest, working for the largest defense contractor. That, and I'm like, my dad's just a computer nerd. And then I learned this later. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I should have listened to him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so they, we had this guy. He was a nurse, Richard Angelo. And he was a nurse at the hospital where my sister and I were born. Good Sam. And he was like the model tenant up until that time. Super quiet, kept himself. He worked his you know, hospital shifts, which were often at night. So sleep during the day, go work at night. He's the nicest guy. He just like to kill people. Yeah, right? Yeah. But... Everybody's got to have a he, hobby. <laughs> what, the crazy part of the story, too, is I got super sick. I got uh, chicken pox, and then it was followed by pneumonia, and I had 105 fever. And as a kid, that's, like, close to death. And my parents called him because he was a nurse, and he said, do this, do that, do this, and get her down to the hospital immediately. He wasn't working, but he, he like, gave instructions. Yeah. So he wasn't trying to do harm to me, 
he I, I mean at the same time this guy may have helped my parents save my life at, at this <laughs> young age but then I come home from school one day and there are all, I, I think I, I went like roller skating with some friends you know you get together in the neighborhood and we're doing our thing and come back and there's like fucking <clears throat> cops everywhere news reporters everywhere and it was because they were coming to haul this guy off and he, he's still in prison. He's, oh, on, yeah. you know, the, the my favorite murder. I think he was, I think they did the story on there. My sister called me and I always forget about this story because I'm like, eh, you know, yeah, that was the thing. So how was he killing people? Um, injection, yeah. some kind of lethal injection. No Allegedly, kidding. he was trying to bring them to the brink of death and then like come in and rescue them. But uh, no it's one, like the, the uh, hero complex kind of right. deal. Yeah. yeah. Right. Interesting. So, yeah. I mean, that that's was, the premise of a great book by Chuck Palahniuk. Yeah. So eventually, and my after that, they were like, "Fuck this!" They let my sister and I move upstairs. We got our own apartment. It was awesome. And then he got laid off from from Fairchild, and oh, they were like, "Let's." I'm just my dad to this day. Like, Fucking hate New York. Hate the city. Hate New York. And he's from Brooklyn. Fair he's enough. only third generation. Okay. Yeah. You got to think hilarious. the detectives second were, or third were watching your house. We're probably like, "This is fucking weird." Yeah. Like, there's a family living there. Oh, man. There yeah, was right? so like, much Those crazy. guys must have been like, what in the fuck is We going also on? lived, it was called this Fireman's Park. And we lived on, it was, our house was butted up against uh, Fireman's Park. And they used to, every summer, they'd hold these races, the fire department. They would race their fire trucks every night at dinner time. <laughs> I wish. I don't see a problem. I <laughs> wish I had videotape of this shit because every night, my dad curses. Like, he's, this is. Didn't it shocked the shit out of him when we? Yeah, I was started. trying to be on my best behavior and my dad and I were fucked this fuck yeah, that fuck, shit and that fuck fucking fuck fuck. right yeah but Jack, you are from Brooklyn it was <laughs> I mean now it it would be hilarious to watch video footage of my dad like freaking out at dinner time every night during the summer like clock like fuck this got fun like going back screaming at the fence like it was gonna do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done my internship with FDNY my paramedic internship yeah. with FDNY I can I can kind of see some of that. There's there's a there's a certain we don't give a shit about the rules. Sure. Right. To, yeah. Uh, to the, yeah. Yeah. To the whole. Well, I'm not gonna say to the whole <clears throat> department, but I do recall one particular crew uh, rolling. They just decided to drive down the sidewalk one day because there was a TV that was parked there, and they wanted to smash it with the ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> there nice. was a clown too. Do you know remember, the clown I remember, story? I remember three places going with the jump team mm -hmm. where I felt the exact same way. Yeah. <laughs> And it was Chicago uh -huh. when we jumped into Wrigley, yeah, Boston, and New York, yeah. And all three that of those police me. and fire departments were yeah. like they just go lights and sirens whenever we wanted to go anywhere. And by go anywhere, I mean after six p.m. and we were going to a bar with them, and they'd be like, "It's fine, don't worry about it." I'm like, <laughs> whatever, okay. I'll just sit back here. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, thanks, guys, if you're listening. Really appreciated it. <laughs> Well, fuck, I don't know how we're going to outdo that. <laughs> Those were actually the only two guys that uh, were injured from the station that I was working at. Um, those were the only two guys that were injured in 9-11. And the irony there is they were, I think they were about to get suspended anyway. But oh, they, wow. were, they weren't like mortally wounded. They, I think one of them broke an arm and the other one hurt his ankle or, hmm. or something like that. So, oh, shit. You know, other than like the whole dust thing. Yeah. Uh, you know. Which is another... Oh okay. God, I fear that. I still fear that. Yeah. yeah. So Nicole was in Manhattan on 9/11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the, yeah, the the. Uh, well, they told everybody to go down there. It was the first time. Help out. <laughs> it was the first time that they could see like uh, actual like an event leading to the increase of leukemia. Right. 
which yeah. is you know fucked up. Well, an event that Long Island admitting. actually already still has that. It historically has had the highest rate of breast cancer and cer- certain types of cancer. Yeah. Um. So add something like that into the yeah. mix, and it, man, it freaks me out because immediately following that, and I was living on 29th between 7th and 8th Avenues for a minimum of a year following that, and we would scrape our our skin. You'd go to bodega yep. to get get a cup of coffee and come back in and and be able to do this and pull ash off oh, your yeah. skin and you know chronically blowing our noses and having gray yeah. and black shit coming out i had a cough yeah. chronically for the, the year that and it was just normal to sound froggy and yeah. just have this like <laughs> constantly and sinus infections so that shit freaks me out i mean they 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 now think and i just looked this up the other day because i was looking at kind of something similar so i looked up the data on that and now i think the people who are affected who died from either helping or being in the vicinity of when 9-11 happened as attributed to what that happened outnumber the people who actually that died as a consequence of the attack yeah my uncle owned a he still owns a steam fitting company Mm. did all the big jobs in the city macy's etc and he immediately when that happened you know, took time off work. The whole crew went down yeah. to the site to pull out, you know, oh, yeah. two inch crushed fire trucks and whatnot yeah. for weeks on end. And he wound up getting colon cancer, which yeah. is common with nine yeah. eleven uh, first responders, anyone in that immediate radius and military ex- when toxic exposures. Well, the burn pit yeah. kind of deal. Yeah. Well, yeah. burn pit and years of high intense. Yeah, I actually had RF energy. Yeah, I was going to say I had a conference call with Hunter seven yesterday about that. And there's they're they're actually expanding beyond burn pit. There's there's a lot more to it. They're finding out is the more research like RF energy. They didn't talk about RF, but it's okay. Just turn it to 20 hertz. It's fine. (laughs) Well, so the RF thing. Yes. If you like we had look, uh, we deployed in wintertime sometimes and we didn't have heaters in the car. They're fucking hot. Yeah. So like a our JTAC used to carry yeah. um, uh, these. Uh, these <laughs> I could have used that in amp- Brooklyn when I was using my open oven to give me heat. These, these <laughs> twenty watt amplifiers, and I was so jealous of them because they they were so crystal clear on the radio, when, especially everything. when we're talking to aircraft. Great. But they had to stop using them because people were starting to uh, get Tumors. cancer, like yeah. well, you know, like, like right overnight. where the thing was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they took those off the market. But really, what we were talking about yesterday with with Hunter Seven and um, and the Special Forces Association is we were talking specifically about uh, increased cancers in um, in soft soft veterans and active duty soft uh, that are way out of the age range. Yeah. But the we've the burn pits thing was I'm not going to say it's old news because it's still in legislation and everything else. But the added ingredient that um, Hunter Seven Hunter Seven is not a soft organization. Hmm. Hunter Seven is led by nurses. Oh no shit. Yeah. Um, so what they found through through the research, uh, and I'm just going to plug our employer real quick. Uh, money we gave to Black Rifle, money Black Rifle gave to Hunter Seven last year, is funding this study that's going to be released in October. Oh, man, that would actually be interesting to get some yeah. of those people on to talk about the details yeah, of that. Yeah, well, I'll get her out here. Yeah. But um, it's it's a, it's a cocktail. Yeah. It's a cocktail of exposure combined with uh, prolonged in, uh, high cortisol levels, mm-hmm. sleep depth, and... So lifestyle factors. Lifestyle, yeah. yeah. Well, I, we it, talked about, I think, that on the last time you were on here, how they said, like, this... 
you don't know what it comes from. You do have a predisposition towards disease in these populations mm -hmm. that are exposed to obviously environmental hazards like, you know, radiation and frequencies that generally your brain shouldn't be around. I think at one point, a friend of ours, I won't, I won't drop his name, but he's had an astrocytoma for 16 going on 17 years. At some point when he was still enlisted, it was something like somewhere between 80 and 90% of active people in his team had some form of cancer or another. And they're like, wow, uh, something's amiss. Yeah. And, and this is kind of what I go on about is like, you know, thinking of encompassing, like just thinking about all mortality and exposure and health. When, when you're thinking about what's going on, you're all, you, a lot of the time you're dealing with institutions and because of your livelihood or your job, or your occupation or your career, they put you in places that probably aren't the best thing for you individually. Yeah. You're leveraging your health in order to gain a monetary function or a power function. This really, I mean, this was completely unintended, but this is a complete full circle to what we were talking yeah. about earlier. Yeah. Because one of the biggest problems in the soft community, even with this evidence out there, is guys do not want to get screened. They, they would rather yeah. be ignorant so they can remain operational. Yeah. And that's when quitting is it's dumb. It, or I'm sorry, that's when <laughs> not quitting is dumb. Yeah, yeah. That's when yeah. not quitting is dumb. Yeah, yeah I feel And like, it yeah. takes, and this is where I disagree with you a little bit on the, but the, that's what I said. the rucksack thing. Life limb, right? Well, yeah, it's life limb, but they don't know that. They'd rather not know it, right? No, but that is life limb. If they're refusing. We know when we're in pain, and we know when we're yeah. fighting through pain. Yeah, sure. And Because we've done it, right? And we know where that... We, we actually we don't even know where the limit is because no I think you condition yourself we condition ourselves yeah athletes certain that's why I right. limp around is because yeah. I just decided to fight through it for years and now I've got perma limp well me know? there are call mental... it a pimp limp yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> that, but, but no, say specifically with cancer <laughs> like specifically say with cancers yeah right, there are indicators mm -hmm. that are not difficult to see. As long as you look no, but at them the, and you're like, you have this, to have this, the education this. there. No, you have Somewhat. to have the, the mindset to be able to actually. Have you had pain in this region for eight months? It seems like it's that straightforward, but Aaron's mom dealt with the same thing. Like after the first time that she got breast cancer, she was so horrifically terrified of knowing whether she had it or not. She spent the ten, the next 10 years not like ignoring every little but sign what, that right. it was. What you're saying is these guys are like not even... They're refusing to even look at the signs. Same right? thing. She, she would, no, no, no. Before they have ever been diagnosed uh, with anything. Like what I'm saying is, it, it's the it's, it's the same psychology behind it. It's I, the same. Um, it's the same. Uh, maybe it's in a different aspect because somebody has an experience that makes them fearful. But like, in, when Derek was on here talking about you know his brain trauma and all of these things that he went through, dis, like not wanting to admit that you have a problem because it makes you look like you can't do your job right. is a big or symptom. you won't be able to right. do your exactly. job. Yeah, you're yeah. going to get taken, yeah. you're going right. to get put on the bench. Right. So that was the whole premise behind Mission 22 is coming up with this mm -hmm. whole separate mm -hmm. avenue of medical treatment where people did not have to go through their, the government, you know, the, the government channels, channels yeah. so that they could get treatment and get help and remain operational. I, yeah, and yeah. I think that's an that's an important feature in anything. I it is. I think about it like this: How many people to take it out of the health aspect? Mm -hmm. How many people, and I'm I'm one of these people for a long time, don't want to look at their bank account because they don't want to realize that there's no money in there. Right. So you just kind of like <laughs> pass the card and pray, 
And you're like, if it goes through, it goes through. But you don't acknowledging it forces this anxiety on you that now I have to contend with this problem. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I have any more bandwidth. And especially I, I don't know, but I could have a lot of empathy for the situation of being overseas, being away from loved ones, being in a scenario where you're exposed to not only toxins of like, I mean, astronomical force. But also lifestyle factors, the fucking ambient addiction, the lack of sleep, the shift work, yep. the fucking poor food quality, right? Like everything starts. Yeah, that like ev all of these things start to add up. And this is kind of what I'm talking about in, in general healthcare. What Why the vaccine makes me so kind of off put is nobody's talking about all of the other ingredients right. that are very important. And I, yeah. maybe this is maybe this is a scenario where instead of like bitching about you know what everybody's doing wrong there is some facet here where you can see a, cor a course correction like at what point where can we go in and educate people about you know you want to do this job you acknowledge that there's some dangers i could get shot i could get blown up i could get all of the all of the cool guy action yeah. stuff nobody really says like, you could get cancer yeah right hey um you're not going to die from that you're going to die from a super painful bout of leukemia Your or whatever that will be committing suicide exactly right. Instead, and how much the lifestyle, like the things that we can plug in that actually, you know, dramatically change those uh, experiences down the line. Like, just imagine if you course correct somebody's sunlight and, and sleep exposure. That sounds really fucking hippie and dumb, but it's actually a fucking it's huge, biology. It's a huge indicator for 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 all cause mortality down mm -hmm. the line. Then you then you pay attention to diet. You start you know, eating appropriately, not from MREs or all of this. And you really start to shift something. But the weird thing is there needs to be an incentive there. And I think one of the problems is we have really bad incentives. Most of it's based off of money making and like to some degree and saving money and saving money. Yeah. Yeah. Cost effective. Like, um, oh, we can't do that because, you know, the food is a dollar cheaper per whatever right. unit. And then we save two billion dollars over the course of. Right. But you're like, if you just extend it a little bit, the longevity is actually more cost effective. This is one of the problems with modern economics is the Milton, um, the Milton school of thought is to extract as much uh, financial gain as possible in the shortest term possible because you're only alive for so long. But that doesn't look at how a business functions over long periods of time. And this is something that I really respect about Black Rifle Coffee is I think they're looking at it differently, right? Like a lot of usually companies wait to get into the charitable area until they're like way down the line. Right. And they're like, man, we need like some functionable tax deductions. And it seems like that is at the top of your guys's list, even before, you know, profit It's like, no, we need to do this for the for the culture that got us here. Yeah, it's one of the primary tenets of the company is, mm -hmm. you know, we're sending coffee to deployed yeah. deployed units and members, and that's mm -hmm. one of the, the biggest things that we do. That was always one of the biggest things that the company's done. Yeah. Hot damn. I want to give people listening to this some actionable things. Mm -hmm. Don't quit. <laughs> or do sometimes quit <laughs> sometimes <laughs> quit yeah or do sometimes sometimes quit don't quit but don't sometimes. quit but sometimes i'm going to stand on my soapbox real quick because i know there are soft guys that are listening to this i don't ruin the illusion i'm on a soapbox <laughs> uh one thing we talked about with uh with hunter seven and the sf association yesterday was the first line of screening needs to be in the team room <clears throat> If the medics 
do not if the 18 deltas do not educate themselves on on these common risk factors and the and the and the first symptoms which are too numerous for me to list off and also I don't know them uh then the next line the the PA or the group clinic or whatever else is Dying not dog. going to get it either yeah so <clears throat> those first line medics um I'm working with Hunter 7 to to get them out so they can do some education at Soma and at Sakamas and things mm-hmm. like that but they need to just like anything else that the 18 delta does they need to crack the books and and learn this on their own because that's that's going to be the the first line defense against making this a well it already is kind of an epidemic it's going to be yeah it, it that's the first line in fighting the epidemic of of cancers and soft guys is mm-hmm. the team room medic yeah the second thing i want to say is on quitting quitting is contagious and we know this from science i mm-hmm. i told the first thing i said to you in that deem was suicide is contagious yeah mm-hmm. we know that from statistics yeah. mm-hmm. It gives, when they see somebody else quit, whether it's on life or just on a task that's difficult or challenging, it gives somebody the mental permission to, do to join them. To participate. Yes, to participate. There are other options out there. And you can, you can, you can feed, you can nurture, or you can die. I had to write that down because I thought it was pretty neat and I wanted to remember it. You can feed, you can nurture, die. You can feed off that. When I was in selection and I saw somebody else drop out, mm-hmm. I just imagined this kind of Highlander type life I, force. I was also a vampire. Uh, yes. I sucked. <laughs> I visually, I, I'm just a mental visualization of sucking in their life force yeah. to make me a little bit stronger because I was sucking ass and I definitely was not the fittest person out there. I don't think that's bullshit at all. No. I think that's a real thing that you experience in any kind of competitive environment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When no. you watch the, when you, when you pip somebody or you watch them actively quit, you can almost see their spirit mm-hmm. just go away. It just dimmers yeah. a little bit. Yep. Yeah, it comes right into yeah. me. It's and a, it does. Ma- it's me. not yeah. a comparison, but I definitely felt like that when going for the fire department yeah. and when there were people quitting, it yeah. was like there was, a feeling of power for not yeah. for not yeah. ringing the bell. Yeah, it's almost like a little mental pat on the back mm. and there's nothing wrong with that, yeah. especially in competition, especially in competition. The nurture thing, we need to have enough education and empathy and candor not to coddle somebody that is thinking about quitting, but to recognize when they're truly struggling. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can say, this is another selection thing, but there's a guy named Justin uh I can't remember if he's still in or not, so I won't say his last name because he's off in a special place. But um, we were on the same team in SFAS, and um, I was. This was at a, a team event called uh, Pales of Pain, and this was. Uh, <laughs> Sounds almost imagine how this goes. Sandhills nice, in North nice Carolina. We had to fill up water buckets, yep. right to the brim, um, and then march them up a very steep sand incline. And when we get to the top, there is what we call an agent there, and he's measuring to see how full they are. It's also a problem-solving thing for whoever is leading that event because, mm-hmm. obviously, everybody's going to slosh all over the place. Sure. You sacrifice a couple buckets, you pull them in. Yeah, I just gave away the secret to passing that. Oh, oh well. <laughs> it, 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 that's, not, that's not the real challenge. The real challenge is not quitting while you're walking right. up that hill. But I, they also get issued a lashing, and I figured, well, if they gave this lashing to me, Clearly, I'm supposed to tie these buckets together and carry it like a yoke around my neck. No. Cool. No, you do not do that. That's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but I nearly quit, and I was thinking about quitting, and Justin came up alongside me, and I 
he just kind of looked at me and said, I don't know if I can do this. He said, shut the fuck up. Yes, you can. Yeah. And I didn't quit just because he said that. And we have that. That's also statistically in suicide prevention. Yeah. Sometimes that's all somebody needs. Yeah. Not to not to quit, not to pull the trigger, whatever it is. It's not always life and death. But we got to be there to to encourage each other as well when things are tough. It comes down to that ego thing. It, we, we've got to have, what do you call it, a swim buddy? We call them battle buddies for some reason in, in the Army. I, it's whatever. You got to have that tribe. You got to have that circle that you can reach out to when you're struggling. You got to be able to swallow that ego and reach out. And if you're in that circle, you need to be able to recognize things and, and just, and reach out on your own. You got to have that support structure. And that goes for everything from mental health to actual physical challenges in the gym. I'm not saying, um, you know, we need that encouragement not to quit. I mean, we've all seen that, you know, team workouts and whatnot, team wads, whatever you want to call them. But also with that ego of, you know, that stupid Goggins mentality where you can power through anything. I'm 45 and I'm broke from the knees down. I know I can't power through mm-hmm. everything. I'm broken from the knees down because I had, I did power through because everything. I had that mentality. Yeah, yeah. Because I had that mentality. And so we also have to have that like, Hey, you don't have to do this. This is going to jack you up for, I mean, do you want to finish this workout or do you want to be able to continue to work out for six weeks? Right. So yes. I, we have this concept. This is exactly what, um, uh, we talk about in, in in the in the long game of endurance, right? Like a lot of people, they're oh, I want to I want to do an endurance event, so they sign up for a fifty k or even a hundred k or whatever, and they train for the twelve weeks into that, and because they only could conceptualize going through that actual event, they burn it so hard that they can't do anything after mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. this is something that this is not endurance. Endurance is not the single event. It is the long event. Yeah. It is it is understanding that sometimes quitting during the arbitrary guidelines of the finite game that you signed up for allows you to play the infinite game. Right, right. absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly why when we were at Winter Strong, I didn't get involved in that workout at the end, which I really wanted to because we were going to be on the same team as Trevor. Yeah. I really wanted to do that. I was two days out of my second COVID quarantine. That's why I didn't do it. I knew that if I jumped on there, you were going to do it. <laughs> and she was going to die. <laughs> I mean, it oh. took everything to not do it. Like, oh, it looks so fun. Oh man, my ego hurts not doing this. I just wanted to read after what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Cause I remember I like screenshotted something. Uh, 25% of people polled recently in the U.S. had contemplated suicide. Antidepressant medication is up 600% as opposed to 2019. Are you That's just 600%. Over the- okay. And suicides in specifically the army are up 30% mm-hmm. as opposed to 2019. That's as opposed to 2019. Mo- that's not all time. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. More, That's a logarithmic I, growth. I can't remember Both the um, the category so, of age, but it's young people, quote unquote. Um, more young people have committed suicide and died than have died from COVID in the UK. Yeah. Like these numbers are going to start to change. This was talked about originally when people are like, man, maybe don't lock down, especially yeah. in a place that doesn't have much sunlight. And this is like very important for hormonal uh, balancing. Yeah, like you said, oh, well, maybe yeah. it sounds hippie. It's not hippie, it's biology. It's 100% Dude, biology. they used to make us, they made us 
take vitamin D yeah. on the submarine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. were only locked in that fucking bitch for thirty days. Yeah, they made us take it. Yeah, because they knew people would go crazy. Now, if you talk about taking it as a way to deal with anything that has to do with health, you get banned. I take ten thousand <laughs> IU of vitamin D every day. Yeah. Uh, or you know, get in the fucking sun. There, there's yeah, a lot but of you different. You need like two and a half hours of direct sunlight. Yeah. yeah. What, what you're seeing in Seattle? I bought us all. Uh, oh yeah. The special lamps. That yeah. Was, that was Christmas stocking stuff. They use them year. up in Alaska. Yeah. I used to yeah. for sure. I used to tan once a week when I was teaching at UW. Yeah. Yeah. Time. That's the only reason yeah. why we joined it. Naked or not? Last year. Always oh, naked. You don't because you don't want that weird tan line. Yeah. Just I mean, asking. I already have a badonka donk, so I get that weird. <laughs> you gotta lift it. <laughs> you have yeah. to lift it and bend over for at least one third of the tanning session. <laughs> yeah. That's why you the cheeks. You don't want the. You don't want the half moon. The deer tail. Yeah. You like watching porn and you see the girl with the half moon. You're like, she didn't bend over. Yeah. Fucking white tail in it. Maybe it's a target. She could have That's an awkward target. A target would be in the center of the cheeks. This is underneath. It's like it's like a radical. So quickly go from you know the seriousness of suicide to yeah her. Oh man, the gift of irreverence. Yeah, you kind of have to. I appreciate you guys coming on. Um, it was a. I think there's a, obviously you could go on about this topic indefinitely because I don't think there's an answer. What I, what I really wanted to come up with is to find that nuance that we were kind of going back and forth on. Because mm-hmm. people, you know, without me actually posting the conversations that were su- like really beneficial for me, people assume that it's this you know me bitching about something and looking for people to agree or disagree. Right. And this is actually what I'm looking for. This is what drives it. You know, I find interesting perspectives that change my perspective, and I want more of that. So it's great that you guys were in town. You're able to do this, and it worked out. So thank you guys very much. Yep. Uh, yeah. People can find you at I'm a Red Leader standing by on Instagram. That girl Nicole something Nicole with an H. Nice. Trevor P. Thompson. He was on. The, <laughs> he was on Josh Rogan. He's on Josh Rogan. You can Rogan Josh. You mean that fantastic Indian dish? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the one. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you guys. Soon again. Again. Thank you. Sometime. Thank you. Nice. We'll be back. <laughs>